This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away back. Goal. Oh, hey. It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy end blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. It is hard to believe that this is the final final of the season not for us obviously we don't go away we'll be back monday wednesday friday a's cast live one to four replay it from four to seven we're going to be going down to the winter meetings can we turn my headset down over there a little bit the phones are a little yeah there there we go uh we'll be down at the winter meetings in san diego in december we're gonna be going to fantasy camp it looks like in january which Commander, I don't know about you, but we might need to start playing catch. Uh, it's been a while. My last outing, my last official inning that I pitched in my career was against Reno in 1995. I was seven. Yeah, so it's been a while since I've uh, gotten on the bump. And probably my last A-B that I've had against live pitching was 1990. Wow, so we're looking 22, that'll be 23 years ago. So if they, you know, we're obviously going to be there to get content and to bring everybody, we're going to take you into Fantasy Camp Live and show you exactly how cool it is and how much fun it is to participate with A's greats and playing games and do baseball and be a kid again and have fun. I just, uh, we, we might have to get in shape for that. We might have to do our own little training camp so we don't get hurt. Well, I'm in, I'm in pretty good shape. I did a lot of adventurous stuff the past few weeks. so uh, um, I, I forgot he's dying to talk about himself. No, no I'm good. Right, so can we? Well, Cody, I joined the show from Iceland. I'm good. Cody was just on his honeymoon. He was in Iceland. He was in Ireland. He was England. Uh, England. How was the honeymoon? Just get it out of the way. How was it? It was tremendous. I recommend everyone go visit Iceland and Ireland. It was awesome. Uh, Iceland, eight days, land of fire and ice. So many things you can do outdoors, indoors. The Blue Lagoon, I highly recommend it. It costs a lot of money, but it was totally worth it. And then in Ireland, we stayed in a castle. Also very pricey, but totally worth it if you want that lavish, bougie life that my wife likes to live. That's where we stayed. If it was up to me, we would have stayed at Motel 6. So how, how long was this honeymoon? Uh, we left on the 14th. That was a travel day. So literally the 14th through the – we got home yesterday from Southern California. Are to you, Hatchapi, to be exact. Are you, uh, are you still married? 
Uh, we are happily happily married, and we saw we saw one of my wife's good friends get married. So now there were two out of three this year in weddings. All right, so you're happy with your honeymoon? Everything went yeah, well. It was, it was great. I'm glad to be back, though. And and yeah, oh yeah, thanks for showing up for the last three games. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why you showed up for these. You should just showed up next what week. More impressive showing up me coming back from my honeymoon or Anthony Rendon being activated for uh, the last three I games. think you coming back for <laughs> your last – if I was you, I would have stretched this thing out till we start our off-season program. <laughs> yes, our, our, our off-season program for A's Cast Live will start on Monday. So our last day is going to be – we are going to do our last official of the, of the regular season. We're going to do a special show on Wednesday from the field here. I just did your job. I just booked Mark Kotze. Mark Kotze will come out and do the last Mark Kotze show. Hopefully we'll get David Forrest, but we will end the season Wednesday here. Day off, obviously, on Thursday. Friday, we're making the executive decision that we've got four playoff baseball games. I want you people to take the day off. To watch baseball. Enjoy baseball. Watch baseball. We don't need to do A's Cast Live. We'll take those. We'll take. We've had a long season. We're going to take Thursday and Friday off. We'll start our off-season program because we never go away. That's what we promised. That's one of the reasons why we created A's Cast Live because back in the day, A's baseball. The one of the reason you know, when, there's a lot of reasons why we created A's Cast and A's Cast Live, but one of the main reasons is that A's baseball. And really, Major League Baseball, unfortunately, in the Bay Area, goes away. And I understand we're all into football. I'm a Raider fan. Raiders got the win yesterday, still alive. You got Monday Night Football tonight. Niners and the Rams. Warriors are going to start up. Sharks are gonna, Sharks start Thursday, right? First official game is Thursday. That sounds right. I know they had a couple of preseason games versus L.A. So, yeah, they start soon, too. Basketball's back and soon. Germany is where they're starting, the Sharks. Oh, really? I'm, I've been out of the loop with hockey. I think Thursday is the first official game. It's going to be like 11 a.m. here from Berlin or something like that. Yeah, let me look at their schedule. I'll pull it up. Doesn't really matter. But we got Warriors. So I get it. You're going to you're going to have football. College football is huge right now. Basketball, hockey, everything's going to get going. But that's the one thing that we do is we don't go away. We take you through the playoffs, through the World Series, all the way up to right about Christmas time, we take a little break, but we will be at the winter meetings in San Diego. The guest list will be second to none. Of course, we'll have everybody down there uh, from all the different teams, the executives, all the main guys from MLB Network, just like we did in 2019. Um, and we'll take you all the way back up to spring training. So A's baseball and Major League Baseball, because of A's cast and A's cast live, we do have to update our unfiltered. We haven't updated those in a long time. But we don't go away. We will keep you updated on all the free agent signings, all the moves, all the cuts, all the signings. You'll get all your information right here on A's Cast. You're right. It is Berlin. On first, first game, first game against uh, first game is is against the Nashville Predators at 11 a.m. Warriors don't start till the end of the month, right? To, let me pull up their schedule. Uh, they're playing. They're playing in China. Oh, they were playing in China or uh, Japan. The NBA always starts around Halloween. Yeah, I'll pull up the NBA schedule. All right. What time is Mark Gubazaw? Gooby's coming? Yeah, eight minutes. We'll see. Oh, he's already here. He's right there. Oh, Cabana Boy. Mark <laughs> Mark Gubazaw, we're going to tell him it's a Cabana. We got a new name for – we got a new name for Five and Dive, by the way, and that's Cabana Boy. That's because our friend Mark Gubazaw 
is the guy that started that for us. Mark Gubaza is going to join us right now. Uh, Warriors start October 18th versus the Lakers. October 18th. And then King Korak is going to be here at 5 o'clock. But it is always great to have on the program. He was one of the great pitchers of his time, now one of the top broadcasters in our game, and he's one of our favorites on A's Cast Live. And we got to tell him that we went over 5 million downloads and we are officially by far the number one podcast in all of Major League Baseball because guys like this for all these years ha have supported us knowing that we're growing and this is really where the future of our game is going, streaming video and audio. Thank you so much. How are you? Good to see Chris, you. Good to see you, my friend. I Once I get a chance to come down and hang out with you guys again, beautiful day today. How about this? Another few days of baseball, so we all can't complain about that. Yeah, we were talking about, you know, you think about the Bay Area. Like, there's, you know, as we can get into July, it can be hazy. But once we hit fall, our weather here. It's like unbeatable. You guys have been super warm down in Southern California. We've been, like, perfect, hanging around 75. This is going to be perfect weather the next three days for these guys. Yeah, and, uh, and the thing is, we were flying up here, and we were, I was just looking out the window of the plane. I'm like, this looks beautiful up here. And I looked at the weather, you know, just to make sure if I had to wear, bring a jacket or no like that. <laughs> Used to that warm weather down there in Southern California. Although, finally, it's, the heat has broke down there a little bit, so it was pretty cool. But coming here, it was like I walked around San Francisco today. It was awesome. I got 12 holes in today. Did you really? Before I came up here, yeah. How, what, what, what'd you shoot for 12 holes though? I was four over. Birdie, birdie 12. I, I had to walk off birdie. You know what? I was like today's starting pitchers. <laughs> Instead of going six innings, I only played 12 holes. And I said, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I'm you, not playing all 18. Yeah, the birdie is like punching out the side <laughs> to the fifth inning. Say, I'm good. I'm tapped out now. Five and dive. Or you know what we call it now, the Cabana Boy start. Oh, you dude. Go, you, go, <laughs> you go five innings or you less. You still remember that, it's, don't It's a you? Cabana Boy start. It's one of the best lines ever. Yeah, and it was uh, – We've talked a lot about that. We can get into where we see with pitching. But as the Angels, I had to do my TV hit for NBC, and one of the things I highlighted today is, you know, you think about the way Otani's playing, the way Trout has come back. I was looking at this, and I don't know if this has ever happened. Like, Trout has missed 42 games. Mm -hmm. And if he gets hot here in, the net in these next three games, could hit as many home runs as he missed games. Yeah. I mean, he's swinging the bat unbelievably well. When you look back, I think the numbers since about August 19th, he's hitting like 350 with about 15 home runs. I mean, he's crushing the baseball since coming back from the I.L. And, and Taylor Ward is on fire right yeah. now in the month of September. Those three guys, Otani, Trout, and Ward, were the reason why they were 10 games over 500 in the mid-May. You're thinking, okay, they're going to the postseason this year. And then all of a sudden, everything just changed. And I still don't really have an explanation behind that, Chris, why that fell apart like it did. But over the last month or so, they were on a, on a stretch right now. They've pitched extremely well. Their young pitchers are figuring it out. And they've won seven in a row, but it's all predicated around these young guys. Otani's been re unreal on the mound. Yeah. But Sandoval's been great. Detner's been great. Suarez has been really, really good. Tucker Davidson has shown signs where he's going to be something to, to keep an eye on. Michael Lorenzen back in the rotation. So the, the bullpen is not getting worn out right now. So they're, they know their roles, even though you don't have Bryce Iglesias, who's doing an incredible job down there with Atlanta. There, uh, there's still some things to really be excited about. Anthony Radon will be in this series here against the A's, and Fletcher's back. You know, Jarrett Walsh is not going to be back till next year. But th those three guys, if they're in the lineup along with the way Otani, Trout, and, and Ward have swung the bat, this is a pretty good team. 
Are you going into the offseason really feeling optimistic about next year for the Halos? There's always this, this, oh, it's next year, it's next year. Do you really feel optimistic going into next year? I think finally because you see the pitching. The pitching is good, and it's young. And anytime you have a rotation, you know how good it was up here for a few years too with the lefties in the rotation. If you're good with left-handed pitching and they're young and, and they're impressionable and they're learning, you feel good about that. But there's some obviously uncertainty with who's going to be owning the team, how they're going to go and pursue extra players. They need to have depth. They have to do that. How they're going to do that as, we, as they go along is going to be interesting to see. But uh, I'm really happy they were able to sign Shohei Otani to that deal. That way you don't have to talk about that. During the offseason, exchanging those numbers, if you, if, if you went to an arbitrator, it's no fun. I've went through that before, and it's no fun going through that. Oh, because they, like, they grind They crush you. you. They crush every, you. Every, like, you could be, no matter how great you are, you could be like Willie Mays, and they're going to go, well, you didn't do this, and yep. you didn't do that. Yeah, we timed you going down to first this one time <laughs> on a ground ball. You were pretty slow. I mean, it, they'll, they'll find something. And with an arbitrator, you just don't. It's a coin flip. Yeah. You know, so I'm glad they were able to do that. So at least they know they have that done. They know exactly what money they've had to, you know, spend on Shoei Otani for 2023, and then you go around and supplement around there. You know, even in today's baseball notes, they even had to say this about Otani, which to me it's insane. It said it could be argued that an Otani trade is necessary to replenish an organization lacking dynamic minor league talent. You know, the one thing I, I like to pride ourselves on this show is we've been around this game a long time, so we, we're just not talking chalk and giving you a lot of, lot of back-of-the-baseball-card stuff. We understand the business of yep. baseball. And like our buddy Mark Langston talked about recently on this show, he was talking about how these this couple had come in and bought like well over $30,000 worth of memorabilia merchandise by Otani. Otani's bringing in millions yep. upon millions of dollars to the Angels. I keep hearing this stuff, and I'm like, are you crazy? I don't care what a team would offer you. The amount of money he makes this organization, yep. it would just be a dumb business deal. Yeah, and that, yeah you're right. I get frustrated when all they get, you got to replenish the system. First of all, finally, the Angels had two teams in their minor league teams that actually went to the playoffs, which is a good sign. Their double-A team was loaded with incredible prospects. You're going to see a few here. Soto was there, shortstop here. Ohapi, who's behind the plate, he was there in double-A. There is some talent there, finally. Now, that, that being said, how I, I, this, it frustrates me. Because you don't know who you – I mean, you know how the process is here with Oakland. <laughs> you move, you know, the Chapmans and, and the Olsons. You don't know if you're getting the right people back, if they're going to develop. I mean, yeah, you can get prospects, but they're prospects. They're not talent like Shohei Otani. And what he's done this season, he's an unreal pitcher right now. Uh, you saw that. He almost yeah. threw a, a no-hitter against the A's the other day. And, and, and he's in a 17-game hit streak. I mean, who does these things? So, And you mentioned he's printing money for the organization. So why, why would there – why is there always a need for somebody always to say, well, they need to trade them to replenish their farm system? When you have a chance to watch, you know, a Michael Jordan, a Wayne Gretzky, or Tiger Woods on a daily basis. We saw Ohapi's debut, and my business mind started going. I went, oh, sponsorships here. My God, he could start his own pub somewhere <laughs> around the ballpark. If this kid is that good, I see dollar signs for Ohapi. Yeah, I mean, he's really good. I talked to a lot of people back in Philly. That's my roots back there in Philadelphia, and, you know, Riamuto, he was going to be – he's locked in there for a long time. So, there's really no room for him. I mean, you can't even put him in DH because they have a bunch of guys yeah. that already should be DH. Yeah, so his pop time, phenomenal. It's almost like I'm, I'm thinking of Sean Murphy type of catcher defensively back there. 
you know, I, I was watching this, his presence. The other day going out there talking to one of our young pitchers in between when he was struggling a little bit, throwing some strikes, he knew exactly what time to get out there. I heard his baseball IQ was off the charts in my conversations that I've had already with him. I'm in agreement with that. He's got pop. He had 26 combined home runs in the minor leagues. So they always said he's already glove ready and arm ready and, and game calling ready for the major leagues. I was wondering if that bat was going to you know, join with it, and it has this year when, in the minor league numbers, and we're seeing some pretty good swings at him already. Perry Manassian, your guys' GM, I heard him in the offseason. It was a fascinating interview, and he talked about how average teams use 13 starters a year. So I went and looked it up today, knowing I wanted to talk about this because the Dodgers, I mean, you're seeing it down there. It's a historic run what they're mm-hmm. doing. I mean, it's just incredible. They've used 12 different guys this year. Yep. I mean, how? I mean, going forward, trying to build, when we talk about starters, if you're going to need 10 guys, you're going to need 12 guys, 30 teams can't do that. There's yeah. no way 30 teams are going to be able to do that. Well, I think – Part of the reason why you're seeing that with the Dodgers, they've had a number of key injuries to guys yeah. from Walker Buehler. That's why even as great as the season there, you go in in the postseason and you look at the Mets and their starting rotation and you look at the Atlanta Braves and their rotation, what they have, and their lineup, it's no, you know, it's no guarantee that the Dodgers are going to the World Series this year. It's going to be a tough one for them. You know, I, I know part of it is you know, we went through 2020 with everything we went through in 2021. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the guy's throwing as hard as they can for five or six innings, and then you, you go to the bullpen. But, you know, with, with teams that are really, really good, you know, I think your, your ideal goal is to go through maybe six, seven, maybe eight starting pitchers, if you can do that. I mean, the Angels have a six-man rotation, so there's going to be a few guys here and there. But for the most part, they've had a pretty steady group as far as starters. They've had a, a bunch of other players from bullpens, position players, an all-time record as far as players used this season for the Angels. But as far as starting pitching going, you're starting to see the mentality is not automatically you're out after the third time through. You're starting to see it in, in, as an organizational philosophy along with a couple different pitches and shapes of different pitches they're starting to use is helping them do that. So when we get this pitch clock, and I've actually timed some guys, boy, it's going to change. Yeah. It's really, I mean, it's 15 seconds. Guys on, it's 20 seconds. What we've seen in the minor leagues, if it translates up to the big leagues, we've seen guys work faster, throw more stri- strikes. They get into a better rhythm, helps the defense yep. get into a better rhythm. Uh, do you think it will affect velocity? Uh, I read something about that. It's, for me, it still doesn't make sense how that would affect the velocity on, on pitches. So I guess the breathing techniques in all of them do as far as pitchers sometimes on the mound and sometimes it takes a little longer. I, I don't understand why it would affect velocity. And I know it knocks off. I talked to a bunch, bunch of people down in, in AAA for, you know, the, when salt, guys came up from Salt Lake. From April towards the end of the season, they knocked off about 25 minutes on the average game. So the games Love are Love hearing that. 25 <laughs> minutes. So, I mean, when I was on the mound, I wasted no time. And I remember, like, right away from the Kibana Boy stories, there are other stories <laughs> with, with George Brett came, came up and he goes, hey, listen, if you're going to lose, you better lose quickly. So, and I, I got that in my mind. He goes, because we're going to make plays behind you if you work quickly. If you take forever to throw the baseball, hey, we're on our heels. We might not make the plays. And it's a ground ball pitcher. You better be working quickly. So I knew that. I never thought about it. I was losing velocity because I was working quicker. I don't understand. I, I've seen that and read that. But you weren't going it. full max every no. fastball. No, I was, I was pitching. Yeah. I was pitching. And I think now, because now you're going to have guys – 
supposedly in the infield, we're going to two on one side, two on the other side, that guys will put the ball and play more, maybe. And, and that, may, uh, that way you'll be more apt to, hey, I'm going to take a little bit off here and there and just get outs instead of trying to maximize every throw you make. It's got to get a swing and miss. So it's going to be a, a combination of the two worlds coming together, and I think it's going to make the game better. Do any of these guys ever pull you aside and ask for advice? I, I talk to quite a few of them, yeah. It, it's, and I, I don't solicit. I, I, I wait around. I, I generally will tell stories how I talked to Jim Palmer, how I talked to Don Drysdale, how I talked to you know so many great pitchers over the years. Dennis Leonard was such a big mentor for me in Kansas City. So those guys met the world. Tom Seaver, same thing. They met the world to me because I, I was willing to go ask and get a nugget from them. Yeah. Even though they have way more data today, these the pitchers and, and players, but it's also – the, the walking human encyclopedia, I think, is always huge. I'm definitely dating myself when I say encyclopedia, aren't I? Look it up, kids. <laughs> Google it. Encyclopedias. We had to use that. We we had to go to a thing called the library. Yeah. We didn't have Google. We didn't have. I'm like the la, I'm the last generation of college students that didn't have the internet. Yeah, yeah. But there's a way you can combine. It. Like I've talked to a number a number of people in our analytic analytic department. I said I wish I had this stuff. But that being said. I'm also I'm reading and seeing what the hitter's doing at the plate. And I've talked to this with Michael Lorenzen a number of times. You can see when the guys get a little closer to the plate, a little further away, yeah. you know, getting, you know, looking for certain pitches, hands are moving around. You read that, so that's your library right there. And the catchers, and I know Hoppy's already, already really good. You got Kurt Suzuki and Max Stassi doing this. They're already reading what the, the hitters are trying to do at the plate so that's boom that's you got the you know the analytics and all the data but boom you, then you read what the hitter's trying to do and then you can use that together you know there's there's been some i'm not gonna say total research but i read a couple papers where guys have actually looked into it we it's it's like gambling stories with, with, with certain parts of data when you're talking about like the shifts they'll tell you when the shift works they don't tell you about the data when the shift doesn't work yeah. like a gambler likes to tell you when he wins not when he loses so i'm wondering because i know a lot of pitchers don't like it. It's funky. Yeah. And you, you know, you have what you're trying to do, but all of a sudden you've got this movement around you. Do you think that will help maybe with some less walks? Yeah, I, I think so. I really do. I, I think part of the reason why you're seeing, you know, the walks is they are because pitchers are somewhat penalized now for contact. So when you're throwing as hard as you can, you're not going to have your pinpoint control. Yes, it's, it's pretty cool to see a guy throwing 101, like Class A or whatever with the Guardians. But – if he's throwing 99 and paints the outside corner, that's probably a better pitch than 101 right down the middle, even though it's a little cutter he throws. So guys are going to learn to pitch, and I think they're getting there. I really do. I, I think we got to, we, as, as, as baseball in front office, has got to step back a little bit and say it's not a bad thing when somebody makes contact against you as a pitcher because we, we have more incredible athletes now playing our game than at any point in my lifetime. And I've been around – I've been around now baseball about 41 years from the minor leagues up through doing what I'm doing right now. And I've never seen a, an influx of so much incredible talent that we don't get to see because there are three guys in an infield or you have sometimes four guys in an outfield or hitters at the plate not showing they can hit a rocket the other way because they're trying to lift it over the, the shifts in the infield. So I think the game is going to be better, but I think it's going back to exactly what you said earlier. The pitch clock is going to make everything better, everything. Think about that. All the great players you've played with, you've played against, you've now broadcasted. Just just think about what you've seen for these decades in the game, how the game has changed. Some has stayed the same, some has changed. But the greatness that you've seen in your career. Yeah, I mean, there's so many. Like, I look back and, I, you know, it's something like 
mentioned Trout and Otani, this in, in amazement what I see those guys doing every day. I mean, I got to play with Hall of Famer George Brett. I got to, you know, see what Bo Jackson could do on a daily basis. I saw, you know, Garrett Anderson, Darren Nurse when I was with the Angels, Tim Salmon, Jimmy Edmonds, who I still can't believe he was off the, you know, Hall of Fame voting after one one year. He yeah. should be still on. Not, not, not necessarily is he a Hall of Famer. Maybe, maybe not. But he's a heck of a player. But now you're seeing guys, I'm looking around, I go, man, these guys are getting to baseballs that nobody was getting to before. Guys are hitting baseballs as farther than and even Bo Jackson, who wasn't as – he was a superhuman being to begin with. So I, I think our game is, is great right now. I think pitchers at an early age know how to pitch. When we were kids throwing, we were just throwing. I mean, but now they are already got somebody working with them at an early age, sometimes maybe too much, but you're still – at the high school level, I'm seeing kids actually know how to pitch. Every kid I've seen, which is pretty cool to see. And then you go to college, professional baseball. They're already in tune on how to use their mechanics at the plate and on the mound. Now you just use that data they're being given right now to make them better. Think about that. The two biggest freaks we've ever seen in Major League Baseball, Bo Jackson, who, as he's playing with the Royals, is technically the best football player on the planet, no doubt the best running back, and Shohei Otani. Yeah, I mean, that's why I, 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 I said to Bo a number of times, he was trying. We were trying to get him together. I said, "Bo, no show." So we got to get that going. <laughs> it's got. It's got to get done because really, when you think, and we saw it at home. You know, everyone's kind of caught up in this whole conversation MVP stuff, but everybody at home at the Big A show he was pitching the other day. Every time he comes to the plate, everything stops. And I said, "Man, the last person was like that was Bo. Like you didn't. He was in the field. You watched him. He was at the plate. You watched him. You saw him on the bases just in case he was going to run over a catcher at home. You were watching him. So." Shohei has that same kind of wow factor that you never leave your seat, you never leave your TV, nothing. You want to make sure you're seeing something because you know what? What he's doing this year, no one has ever done. If he gets one inning pitched on Wednesday, he qualifies as a pitcher. No one's ever done a qualified as a pitcher for, you know, at the end of the season and as a hitter. No one ever, ever. And you would go to the L.A. Coliseum and watch Bo run the football because yeah. every single time he touched the ball, it could be six. Yeah, and then I remember watching the defensive players just going, um, man, how am I, first of all, how am I going to catch him if he goes by me? And if I do catch him, maybe I'm better off not trying to catch him because <laughs> then he's going to run over me and I'm not going to be able to get up for a month. And he's like the greatest guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and that's the thing. He was like he had, he had an edge to him, but he was just a really nice person. So I can't imagine. If he played football, like nonstop football, I, I couldn't imagine. Although Atwater, I remember with Denver, he said he, he could hit pretty hard. That's the one guy who could hit pretty hard at the defensive back there for the Broncos back in the day. But everybody else was like, I got to get out of the way. We know a few of those guys that tried to get out of the way of Bo. The great Bo Jackson. Yeah. God, he was amazing. All right, let's end on this. We know you got to go. Um, now that baseball's over, are you an Eagles guy? What what sports do we – golf in? What do you gravitate to? What do you do in the offseason? Well, I got my uh, my granddaughters. They're twins. Uh, they're, they'll be staying with us for they're like three and a half months right now. So take them to all the little fun things I can't wait to do. But Eagles, fly, Eagles, fly. I'm always giving Trout all the, the updates during the game. Yesterday, as a matter of fact, I'm in the outfield. I'm giving the old sign. Said, <laughs> We're all right. We, we, we won that game against the Jaguars. Well, they played them really good. I was yeah. like, I, I, I actually I chewed one of my nails off. They were down 14-0 early in that game so huge eagle fan jalen hurts yes i mean they're wide receivers though wow that he finally has somebody to throw to and that's the thing that's going to make him so good that's something when you play in that east i don't care i mean even the giants right now yeah. i mean you got a cowboys i mean they're down dak but i mean it's a division where it's always going to be yeah. physical and, and it, none of those teams like you know, every time like the eagles play the cowboys oh we hate the cowboys and then they play you know, they play Washington. Oh, we hate them, too. And then, then the Giants, of course, anything to do with Philly and New York is always uh, 
always an edge. <laughs> I'll put it that way. It's always it was always fun. A little bit of an edge. So their battles, they you know the cities don't like each other. The players, I mean, we probably get more upset than they even do. But we kind of create that rivalry. It's always fun when those guys get together and play. And if uh, a win by Philly or a loss by the Brewers will put Philly in the postseason for the first time since, what, 2011, yep. which is the longest drought in the National League. We know, obviously, the Mariners had the lunch. Yeah, It's going to be nice to see the Phillies back. Great baseball team. It'll be good to see them back in the postseason. Yeah, and the crazy thing is it's typical as a Philly fan. They were, you know, We were thinking they were a lock a few days ago. Next thing you know, they lost a bunch of games in a row. They go, typical Philly. We're yeah. like, oh, <laughs> they're not going to make it. They're not going to make it. All of a sudden, Milwaukee blew a couple leads late against the Marlins, and lo and behold, now they have a great shot. All they got to do is win one. But, again, being a true Philly fan, they're down in Houston, so you just never know. I mean, it's going to be wild. I yeah. mean, this is, we're, we're, we're truly entering a tournament, and all this stuff that I got, all these notes and everything, yeah. all of it means nothing. Yeah. I mean, even the, the best of teams, you would think, okay, right now, close your eyes, you think, okay, it's the Astros and Dodgers in the World Series. I'm not so sure about that. I'm not so sure. I, I, the one team that I think is really, really good is the Atlanta Braves. We saw them down there. I'm like, wow. Austin Riley and, and, and uh, of course, Olsen, which I probably shouldn't mention his name around here. Matt Olsen, yeah. we know. <laughs> we know. But they, they are so deep. Dansbury, I mean, they, those guys, they're so good. They play so well, and they have so much fun. They're a dangerous team, and they, and they won last year. So that's uh, that has a lot to do with how confident you're going in there. And they beat the Dodgers last year in the playoffs. They almost they should have beat them the year before, but the Dodgers, with their resilient, but the Dodgers are incredibly deep, incredibly deep. They feel like they have – a 40-man roster when everyone else has 26. They're that good and deep. So it's going to be a lot of fun. The Yankees have kind of sputtered a little bit. The Astros, if Michael Brantley was available, they're the, I think they win the World Series. And I still think they might. Verlander's that good. I mean, their pitching staff is great. Their bullpen is good. And Alvarez, I mean, wow, he's an incredible player. Bregman, you know, Jeremy Pena is incredible. He's, yeah. like a, he's like a young Carlos Correa at shortstop. Same, similar build. I mean, they are really, really good. And Altuve. He just never slows down. It's amazing. Everything about that team, and I think the one guy that nobody talks about that should, Kyle Tucker is phenomenal. Phenomenal player. Great base runner, great arm in the outfield. He can hit, and he's got power. No batting gloves like George Brett. Yes, yes. You know, I think we could dust you off and bring you out for the Dodgers, and you'd win 15. <laughs> I take my chances with him, yes. <laughs> Always the right best. time, my friend. You've been so good to us, it means a lot. Uh, it's always great to be on here. I love, you know what, this is kind of cool. we got a few extra days to be able to play here, and we're right back here, by the way, to start the season next year again. Can we lead off with yes. you guys again? Yes, it's almost like a given. It's a <laughs> given. You can't get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. we got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Oh, I've been waiting for Cody to come back because I've been heated. I've been so heated after Jacob DeGrom laid an egg out here against the Athletics. Ah, it's not a big deal. One of the biggest games of his career down in Atlanta. Six innings, three home runs. Oh, he struck out a bunch of guys. He lost. Got out pitched. Then Scherzer shows up the next game. I can't get on Scherzer because Why not? He's a future Hall of Famer. Why not? He's 39 years old. Would you get on Verlander? Huh? Did you get on Verlander? Verlander. Why, why would I get on Verlander? Well, if he, if he struggled, would you get on Verlander for struggling? I'm getting on a guy who's never done it. Oh, well, you, I'm saying because you said you're not going to rip Scherzer. I mean, we've got to rip them all. I'm not going to rip Scherzer because he's done it. He's a track. He's what they call a track record. He's got a ring. He's got a bunch of playoff appearances. He's got big games. This is one of – this is all the years you've saved a Grom. All the years. This is it. He's potentially leaving after this year. All the years you babied him. All the years you said he was greatness. This is what you get? This yeah. is your big game that you get on a Friday night to lead the series what, off? What, what, do you, what do you go six, well, three, and struggle out nine or something? Ten. It's a quality start by baseball metrics. That, that, that's what you got? A quality but, start? So he struggled. Let me just give you this. See, they don't want to – Ray, see, I've told you, they don't want to – they don't want to admit it. Scherzer – what- By the way, I've been saying this. I've been waiting for you. Talking out of both sides of your mouth is this, saying that strikeouts don't matter as a hitter and now it's an out, right? Then why yeah. are strikeouts so big for a pitcher if an out's an out? That's why I said you look at other things like – well, I know I know it means for fancy baseball, strikeouts get you points. But what – strikeouts mean higher pitch count. Higher pitch count means you can't go deeper in games. So maybe, so maybe all these strikeouts that DeGrom gets in his five-inning starts are overrated. Plus, he's also going max velocity the whole time, too. He's throwing 100. Every, he's, going, he's throwing 100, 101, literally every pitch. He's not going out there to pitch. He's just throwing. Can you imagine if DeGrom goes out and gives you another five or six in a postseason game and the Mets get bowed out early in the postseason and then he leaves? Oh, my God. What if he opts out and signs with the Braves? Or the Yankees. Yankees bring back Judge and get him? Go along with Cole? And anyway, the, the, the point is the Mets had a 10-and-a-half game lead in June, and it's now gone. They're now down two games in the division to the Braves. They sent DeGrom, Scherzer, and Bassett out. They combined for a 2.79 ERA over 377 innings entering the series. They posted a collective 6.91 ERA over 14 and a third with six home runs a lot over the weekend as they got swept in Atlanta. Oh, but you kept telling me about their massive pitching and their pitching's this, their pitching's that. And all they did was go out and give you 14 and a third out of a possible 27 innings. And like I just said with uh, the Cabana boy, as I'm about to get smoked here by a tractor. Again. uh, (laughs) uh, Mark Gubazaw, this is not what, what we are building right now. Look at the Dodgers. The Dodgers have won, I mean, is it 108, 109 now? 110, I believe. Are they up to 110? 110. They've used 12 different starters. 
So if, if, if Perry Manassian of the Angels said, and I've carried this theme on this year, that the average team uses 13, the team with the best record, the Dodgers, has used 12, do you think it's sustainable for 30 teams to be using 13 pitchers a year? No. I'm gonna 30 look, teams. I'm going to look and see how many, how many guys made a start for the Angels this year. I mean, think about that. I mean, we're going to go in. There's not enough human beings on the planet that are good enough to make that many starts in Major League Baseball. It's just not. This is not a sustainable model. Um, only if you keep adding roster spots and adding more relievers. That's the only way this thing's sustainable. No, they've used openers and stuff too, but they – doesn't they, matter. A start they, is yeah, a start. Angels have used 16 different starters. What if we're, we're at 11, uh, 12? Let me check. And did you hear Gubaza? They've used a record amount of players. Yeah, well, I mean, so have we. Are we not <laughs> looking at this as alarming that we have organizations that have been around for how long and we're using record amounts of players? We're running through players like, I, I mean, what are we talking about? How is this model in any way that there's going to be a lot of things that we're going to get into in down at the winter meetings with, you know. Twelve. The, 12. We got to have 12 guys? Yeah. We really got to have 12, 13 guys? Most all the guys on here, I know that we're talking about starts. The only guy that's not a starter that made a start was Austin Pruitt. The rest of the guys are actual starters, like Sears, Logue, Jeffries, Waldachuk. We weren't using an opener, but, yeah, 12 different yeah, guys. Yeah, but we ne we needed a guy, so you got to count Pruitt. It's a start. You yeah. got to count. We need somebody. Somebody had to start the game and actually gave you one of the best starts of the year. What do you go, five shutout? Yeah. I think it was something like that, yeah. So I mean, it, it it's 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 stuff that we talk about here on A's Cast Live that we're just trying to be honest. Is that you can't just always go with the trends because sometimes the trends. For example, the A's did the opener. Remember when everybody was trying to brainwash baseball that the opener was the future and everybody was going to use openers and that's how the way. And it was a fad. You can't ride the fads. The opener truly was a fad. And it's still going to happen. You're going to every once in a while. You got to do it. But as a strategy for all teams doing it throughout six months of a season, it's not going to happen. And I'll tell you, uh, we, you and I, are battling down the stretch for the last playoff spot. My True. team versus your, my National League team, the Fighting Phillies of Philadelphia, versus the Milwaukee Brewers. And if uh, anybody's not paying attention, Milwaukee lost three out of four over the weekend to Miami. Three out of four. And this will be an interesting question. Well, first of all, I told you I didn't believe in the Brewers because the Brewers have lived all this time off September call-ups. That's what they would do. They'd burn their bullpen out, even though they have quality starters, but they, they'd pull them early. They'd, bull, they'd burn their bullpen out, and then they'd bring up all these guys. Did anybody use, Craig Council, anybody use more bullpen guys than the Brewers the last couple of years no, in, the, in September? Uh, the only team that maybe comes close is the Rays. So they came up. It was reliever Palooza in Milwaukee, and that's how they would get into the postseason. Milwaukee made a decision to trade Josh Hader because he's going to be a free agent. Have you seen the numbers for the Brewers I, if, since they traded Josh Hader to San Diego? Um, I, if I saw the stat correctly on Twitter earlier, I think they've blown 12 games and lost with, since, they've, since Hader's gone. 
They've blown 15. 15, okay. And they, I think they lost 12 of them. 15. That's the most in baseball. And they have Devin Williams, who was supposed to be the heir apparent to him. Devin Williams since Josh Hader. At the time that Hader was traded, Devin Williams had thrown 28 and two-thirds consecutive scoreless innings. Hader gets traded. Since then, he's allowed 10 runs and 21 innings. That's not good. And Devin Williams was affected, if you believe people that are in Milwaukee, where he was basically crying when Hader got traded. It affected him mentally. It affected this team. Now, the guys they get from San Diego could go on and be big players for them, and then you'll talk about this trade in a whole nother light. But if you're looking at this season, the gamble that the Brewers had, if they do not make the postseason, looking at the way they have performed since they traded Hater, Hater and affected Hater. Hater went on to San Diego. It's terrible. Yeah, they struggled a good bit. So you look at this move to trade your closer because he's going to be a free agent at the deadline when you're right in this thing for not only winning the division but getting a wild card. It truly backfired. Yeah, it hasn't been good. And the Brewers, we thought that they had some guys, but the, the biggest biggest knock on them was why it destroyed their team chemistry. We've seen it. Ha- we thought the thing was gonna happen, same thing was going to happen last year. The Mar- remember when the Mariners trained Kendall Graveman and everyone wasn't happy about it? Mariners did fall out of the playoffs. They didn't make it. Yeah, it, it's it's devastating. If it, the, isn't if the Phillies win or the Brewers lose, the Phillies, Phillies are in. have to win one game the or Brewers, the Brewers just have to lose a game. Yeah, and the Brewers have Woodruff tonight. Eric Lauer tomorrow, but Zach Gallon's pitching for the Diamondbacks, and then Corbin Burns is pitching on Wednesday. Phillies, by the way, can clinch their first playoff berth since 2011. This would end, Mike Aldretti is uh, coming over here, this will end the longest drought in the National League. They haven't been in since 2011. Yeah. And they have not played well. They have, they have, they have found almost every single way – to uh, have blown it, but that's the thing. So many teams, as Mike's sitting down with us, so many teams have they're basically backdooring into this thing, and uh, it's, that's why the postseason is going to be fabulous because all these stats and everything that we got, uh, it's not going to matter once we get into this tournament. Well, it's great to have you back on the program. How are you? I'm doing great. How's everything? Uh, it's good. Weather's great. Three days left. How you feeling? I actually feel really good. I feel like uh, we had, despite the what the record says, we accomplished some things this year. I think that uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a real good look at a lot of these young kids, and uh, hopefully, they're our future. Well, the one thing you know, we we have the Marcotte show every single week. We have the David Ford show, and the one thing I've really tried to highlight here because. You know, we get to be here when the fans aren't here. We get here really early up in the press box. We're always watching how hard you guys have worked with these players. I think you guys as a staff should be commended for your effort this year because it's been amazing. I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, sometimes it does go unnoticed. And, and a lot a lot of times it's not just like this. Um, you know, there obviously we've had teams here in the past, and I've coached other teams where, you know, you've got – your share of veterans that you just kind of move them along and be there when they need to when they need to get their work in um but for whatever reason this year there's a lot more teaching there's a lot of guys it, it it's not easy to be in the big leagues 
and there's a lot of kids that come up and don't know what it's like. So uh, I think from a coaching standpoint, that's, uh, that's something that we have taken upon ourselves to, to, to help these guys, teach them how to work, teach them the game, teach them how they're supposed to act and react. And um, it's fulfilling. Uh, but at the same time, too, we do we do kind of like winning. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, we've all been around the A's for, for a long time now. And I remember, uh, you know, we used to have the Bob Melvin show. And Bob Melvin talked, I think it was after 2014, we were talking going into the 15th season, where Bob talked about, you know, there are times where it's great to get back to being a coach and a teacher and teaching guys the game because that's really at heart what you guys are. And that's kind of what I want to do. I mean, uh, you know, not that there have been other opportunities. Um, you know, I've been a bench coach for a long time uh, in St. Louis and here. Um, but I really get I really get my fulfillment out of coaching. And I feel like, you know, some guys are just coaches at heart. Uh, that's kind of who I am. Uh, I like I like the work. I like to see the progress. And it's 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 really gratifying when you know some of the hard work that you've put into it uh it shows not maybe not you know today but down the road sometime how much do you think these young guys have learned and how this will help them going in next year to spring training well i know that um going way back to my rookie year um i got a little taste of the big leagues and um everything i was wide-eyed deer in the headlights uh trying every trying to learn as much as i could everything was moving faster uh i didn't feel like i could do the things that i normally think that i'm capable of doing um but it was a really really good experience that that first uh, half of a season for me and i know that i showed up in spring training the next year with a completely different feeling about myself, completely different feeling about being in the big leagues. And I think what, hap- what has to happen with all of these guys uh, is that at some point you have to turn this game into the same game that you've played ever since you were 10 years old. Now it's much easier said than done, but once you get to that point where you show up to the ballpark and you say, it's a game that I've been playing forever and I'm going to continue to do it uh, the way I've always done it, uh, like I said, it's easier to say than do because you know what? It's kind of a big deal to be to be in the big leagues, yeah. and and when you when you make it a big deal, you know that's when you kind of tense up, and that's when things start going too fast, and that's when you make mistakes. And uh, so part of what we want to do from a coaching standpoint is you know bring these guys to some type of ease where they can they can go into the mode of this is the same game. The bases are the same distance. The mound is the same distance. I'm not going to see any pitches that I've never seen before. They might happen with more frequency, but there's nothing that really happens on that baseball field that uh, that these guys haven't seen before. It's just that, like I said, you know, the the good pitchers are every day. They're not once every five days. You know, the good fielders are out there for every single play, and uh, that takes some getting used to. And then the whole big thing about, you know, the third deck, that – a lot of guys have not been able to, you know, get over that. And, um, you know, with television and now with, you know, social media, millions of people know when you made a fool of yourself. Yeah. And, and, and I know that very well. Uh, so that's something you got to get over, too. So you got to have a short memory. And uh, the bottom line is get a little bit better every single day. And if you, get, if you get a little bit better every single day after 180 days of this, then you're a lot better. 
You know, I've been reading some sports psychology books, and in the postgame show, when callers are calling up about young players, I say it's so key. Like when I think it's just getting Jordan Diaz up here, whether he's going to start in AAA next year or not, the fact that you put a guy up here for a couple weeks, you give him a little taste of it, they're all going to go work out and lift weights and hit and pitch and do everything that they're going to do for their bodies in the offseason. But it's training your brain. The fact that they got a little taste of it, that they understand it, they now truly can visualize it, see it, believe it. That helps so much for them going into next year that they've had this taste. There's no, du- there's no doubt. I know that uh, I got some of the best advice ever from a guy that, Everybody in the Bay Area knows Mike Kruko. Yeah. My rookie year, I was here uh, or in San Francisco. I was in the big leagues. And I, you know, I was hitting under 200. And just about every single time I made an out, it was the end of the world. And there were times where I would, like, tiptoe into the uh, clubhouse. And there were actually times where I would say, whew. I'm not playing today, so I can't make a fool of myself. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I got sent down, and Kruko grabbed me and said, let me tell you something. You're going to come back here, and I, I can't tell you when, but you'll be back in the big leagues. And he says, the next time you walk into that clubhouse, you walk into it like you own it. Because uh, I had not been to that point. I was tiptoeing in and looking around and looking over my shoulder. Uh, it was great advice. And the the minute that I felt like, this is where I belong. I can do this. Uh, it was just, you know, everything just started clicking. Uh, and, you know, not clicking as much as it did for a lot of other people. But for, for me, it clicked enough to where I said, you know what? I belong here. You had a good career. You definitely <laughs> had a good career. And you played a while, too. Well, I see a lot of guys that, uh, you know, coming up, if I could try to you know, give them that story. Uh, and Nikki, Nikki Allen is one of them who I've talked to and said, and you can, you can see it, you know, when he walks, when he takes the field, when he takes his grounders, there's just that air of, I've got this. And, um, you know, thank goodness that he's, he's gotten that in his, in his time this year. And there's no question in my mind, he and a number of other, these young kids, they're going to show up at spring training next year and say, this ain't that big a deal. I belong here. I can do this. And uh, that's probably the biggest hurdle of all of them because physically these guys are pretty darn good. And they they can all catch the ball, throw the ball, hit the ball, run. They they all have the tools uh, or else they wouldn't be here. It's that that whole mental side of I got to get over whether I belong here or not. And uh, hopefully this experience for a lot of these kids – is going to be uh, is going to be beneficial going into next year. I want to ask you about the rules for next year. Before we get to everybody's talking pitch clock and they're talking non-shift. The bigger bags, big difference, little. I have no clue. Well, what, I mean, bigger bags. We've been playing with the same size bags our entire life. What does this mean? Yeah. Well, going back to what I said earlier, that you know the mound is the same distance, the bases are the same distance. Well, not everything's the same. Uh, I have just as much experience with the big bag as you do. And I so hear it's I'm, like a, 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 a almost. It's like, almost like a large or a medium pizza, pizza. box. Yeah. <laughs> Just open it up, and <laughs> one side is the base, and the other side's in foul. Uh, we will find out. I, I will say that um, that things that I have heard are that um, when they very first tried this whole thing out, the um, the sound was different. So they had to get they had to make the bags the elongated bags 
make them look and sound just like the regular bases because the umpires were having a hard time with their with the sound for making their out and safe call. Uh, other than that, I don't know. I think that um, that I think that'll all play itself out, and I think that uh, at some point, you know, we're going to look back and say, "Gosh, remember back, you know, however many years ago when when they only had the one." Small bag. Yeah. Now, now it's all the same now. Pickoffs and limiting pickoffs, I think, will be here real quick. It's just going to try and get running going, and then they'll switch it. So I don't know how long that's I'm not sold on that either. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how you can make a guy do that. And, uh, and also limit them to their number of picks and then have the guy over there saying, well, he can't pick, so I can, I can just take off whenever I want. Uh, again, I've seen it as much as you have, which is probably not much. Uh, so a lot of these rules, you know, we're going to experience them uh, next year for the first time. We're going to talk about them in spring training, and we're going to, you know, as a staff, we're going to come up with, you know, what we think is probably our, our best plan of attack with all these things. And then uh, I like the fact that, uh, you know, our staff is really good at the, the communication side, and I think that, uh, you know, we'll be, we'll be ahead of the curve when it comes to getting these guys ready for that. Everybody wants to talk about shifting and the best players in the game. How does this affect the great sluggers? I believe, and we'll have to wait till we see it go back to playing the way we used to, how it helps all the players, all the hitters, and not just the left-handed power hitters, how it helps a Nick Allen or a Chad Pinder or Tony Kemp. What do you think it's going to be like going back to playing regular in the infield? Well, I, you know what? There was a time that I thought with the shift, what you're going to start seeing is you're going to start seeing guys become better hitters, have the ability to use the whole field, have the ability, and that has not been the case. I think that uh, what has happened is everybody has said, you know what, I don't care. I get paid when I hit homers, and so I'm not even worried about that shift. I'm going to keep trying to hit homers, uh, and, and the whole – beginning of the better hitter has not really happened because the if even in today's game the guys that are real good hitters that can use the whole field they don't get shifted and so that's why i kind of thought that uh, there would be a trend in that direction once again i swung and missed on that one uh but i do think that uh it's gonna help it's gonna help the guys that are kind of one-dimensional and uh if they're dead pull hitters it's going to open up. It's going to open it up a little bit for him. Uh, the pitch clock. We keep hearing all this cuts the game by half hour, thirty-five minutes. Get on the mound, throw it, and hit it. As a guy that is on well after the games, doing a post-game show, I yeah. can tell you, I'm all for it. I love the extra inning rule because I don't want to be here all night long. With you. But uh, to me, let's get on the mound. Let's throw it. Let's hit it. Let's put the ball in play. And let's get some action rolling. Well, if you if if we all sat down and took a look at you know, historically, the guys who were very successful pitchers, that's exactly what they did. They got the ball. They kept everybody moving. Uh, they threw the ball strikes. Uh, the game moved. The game moved. Their, their position players are ready. They're not standing on their heels saying, oh, God, how long is this going to take? Uh, so I think what it does is it kind of gets everybody in that mode of, you know, being a good pitcher. Get the ball. Know what you're doing, and let's go. So hopefully, uh, and I have talked to uh, Fran uh, Reardon, who has said that um, you're going to like the pitch clock. It, it, believe it or not, it does help. And there, we all see the guy out there, and I, 
I'm as bad as anybody yelling at him from the dugout to, to get the throw the ball. And that doesn't always go over real well with the managers. But uh, the bottom line is I want to see a guy, and, and I will point out, over the years, you know, we've had guys that, that do it really, really well. And I'll try to point out to the other pitchers, you know why he's really successful? He gets the ball and he goes. And everybody's on their toes. Everybody's ready. Guys make good plays for him. The, the game moves fast. There's nobody falling asleep. We all might want to try that. So I think that I think the, 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 the pitch clock might be a helper. Uh, I know you got to go. We appreciate the time. Let's end on this. You've been in baseball a long time. Season ends. How do you decompress? What do you do? What do you do in the offseason? before you got to get it going again and get ready for spring training? Well, I can tell you that it's for me, and I'm not saying I'm the same as everybody, I need about a week where I just go home and just do nothing. And, and it's not so much a physical thing because, you know, I can go on walks. I can, you know, get in the weight room, do, do some light things. But uh, it's more the emotional and it's more the – the, the psychological, uh, it, this game does take a toll. And uh, from a physical standpoint, you know, a lot like these players, we, we st- try to stay in pretty good physical condition. It's the, it's the mental side, it's the emotional side that just needs to take a break. Uh, but it's not very long, and my wife and my kids, and they all know that, you know, for the first, for the first three days, four <laughs> days to a week, dad's not doing much. Yeah. And, uh, and then I like to get back into it. And for me, you know, that means, that means uh, I'll play some golf. Uh, this year I've got my daughter getting married, so that's going to take some of my time. Uh, maybe take a trip or so each off season, but not much more than that. And then it's, uh, I really, really like the idea of I cannot wait to get to spring training. Uh, you know, if I ever get to the point where it's like, oh gosh, I have to go to spring training again, then I need to I need to take it take it to the house. But uh, every year so far, I've gone home and I've done my thing and start itching after the first of the year, and then you know towards the end of January, beginning of February, I'm chomping at the bit to get to spring training, and that's that's kind of where I want to be. Yeah, you've had a blessed career. You think about you know growing up here. You think about Giants. You think about A's. All the years on this staff, I mean, it, it's been a blessed career. Yeah, I, I, I have no complaints. Uh, I would probably not complain anyway if I was uh, anywhere in the big leagues. But, you know, very fortunate to have spent a good portion of my time in the Bay Area from the time I was born to college to the Giants to the A's. Uh, and it's, been, it's actually helped out, you know, with my family. Uh, they're all they're always close, and uh, so again, I have no complaints. Always appreciate the time. All right, Tony. We'll see it. you. Uh, we'll probably see you down in Arizona next time. Hopefully, hopefully I'll be there. Yeah, but I'll be the one with a big smile on my face because I can't wait to get there. Great stuff. We got more. The voice, Ken Korak, will join us next right wow. here on it. You you can't follow this act, by the way, Ken. You better be good there, sitter. That's all coming next right here on A's Cast Live. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. 
The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's lastdivebar.com. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. I mean, I mean, it's just heavy hitter after heavy hitter. You got the greatness of the World Series champion all-star Mark Gubazaw, who was one of my favorites growing up, Kansas City with my guy George Brett. Then you got Aldo, who's just a baseball legend. And then the voice of Fall, the voice of your Oakland Athletics, Ken Korak. Sorry to follow Aldo, though. Former voice Probably. of my San Jose State Spartans. Yeah, it's a tough act to follow, though. He's had he's, a great uh, career. He's great, yeah. You know, I called his games in AAA. You knew that, I'm sure. No. Yeah, we were together for a whole season in the minor leagues in well, 1986 when he was playing in Phoenix when they were the Giants AAA ball club back then. So, yeah, we go back a long ways. I was a freshman in high school. I was not there following Phoenix back then. Phoenix Firebirds. The Firebirds, baseball. yes. Yeah, AAA, <laughs> Coast League. Yeah. How you feeling? Is sad? Is, yeah, it's, it's kinda, interesting. Right? It's, it's kind of, you know, what's weird about it is that we've finished the season so many times in Seattle. So it's a Sunday in Seattle, get on a flight, and normally you're just coming home and, you know, it's the off season. So it is a little strange. That's It, it is. It's strange for sure. Oh, my. Yeah, a Monday a yeah. Tuesday, and the way you know they want to do it is they want to have the final day. So many teams, there could be action, but the odds are Philly just has to win one or the Brewers have to lose, and then all the playoff spots are decided, and we're all playing a day game on Wednesday. And Atlanta's magic number is one to win yeah. the East, so there's not a whole lot going on, which is odd considering that kind of ironic because they added the extra – Wild card team this year too. Yeah, you're right. I gotta tell you, I, I I get these notes every day that have all these numbers in it and all this kind of stuff, and we go through it and we give it to you because it's not a lot of stuff that is out there to the public. But I'm telling you, coming up in a few days here, all of this means nothing. It doesn't matter what you did, how you got in, mm-hmm. it, what your run differential, what your bullpen, what your starters, what your runners and scoring position. None of that matters. So the Dodgers. Could win eight million games. They're zero and zero. Philly probably backs in. They're zero and zero. I mean, it's like it's anybody's game. We saw that in the past with the A's when it looked like the A's were set up for a positive, a conducive matchup in the postseason. It didn't work out. And uh, I think the other thing too is that it's a pretty strong field in this postseason tournament. So the cliche about anybody can beat anybody. I think that's I think that's apropos when it comes to this postseason. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, this tournament, yeah. and, and you're going to have upsets. Maybe you don't. Maybe it goes chalk and all the favorites win, but it just doesn't work that way. And it's uh, – I, 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 I'm really looking for – I'm telling everybody, take the day off of A's cast on Friday. We're not going to do a show because there's mm-hmm. going to be four games. I want to yeah. sit around and watch baseball all day long. It's a great day, and then the American League has the day off the next day, right? It's kind of a weird schedule. Uh, the way, well, no, the, in the um, wild card, everybody plays three straight days. But then when you get to the division series in the American League, after the first game, then you have a day off. 
and then you play the second game, you have another day off. So it, it's, it's going to take the American League four days to play the first two games of the division series this year, which is kind of strange. Then there's no day off between games four and five, which we dealt with uh, those four years in a row beginning in 2000, going cross-country and playing a fourth game in New York and a fifth game out here and vice versa. So you talked to Mark Kotze before every single game. It's a, his first year. You've had a lot of managers. Uh, what has this first year been like with Mark Kotze? Well, it's been great. Today was our last pregame show with him because, as you know, we, we interview Mark the first game and then Scott Emerson the second game and uh, Tommy Everage the third game. And he was pretty reflective today, Chris, because it's a, his first year managing a major league team. And I asked him what he learned, and I think part of it is – and, and he knew this from a, being a player, but just reinforcing, trying to stay on an even keel because the, May was a tough month for the ball club. And he said that it really it got to him. And that's natural if you're a competitor. But I think one of the things about Mark that was impressive in the coaching staff as well, Chris, is that they maintained a real positive vibe around the ball club this year. It's not always that way. You'd like to think it was that way, but I don't he, he didn't come out here and uh, grumpy, uh, before a ball game, he was always cooperative and, and upbeat. And I think with a young club to set that kind of a tone was really important because nobody wants to lose 102 games, obviously. But I think he was able to maintain a real kind of positive feeling around the team. And we appreciate that because, you know, we deal with him every day. I got to tell you, I know traditionally it's the manager every day. But as someone who actually listens to it every day, most people can't, but it's part of my job. I hear it every day. When you hear the same guy every day, sometimes it's repetitive. I really have enjoyed you doing Emo, Scott Emerson. Uh, I have liked this rotation, Brad Osmus coming in, because mm -hmm. it's something – it's, you know, I'm getting the pitching view. I'm getting the hitting view. I'm getting the manager. I'm getting the bench coach. I've really enjoyed it. Well, thanks. I think that if it had been a different year, and let's say you're really in the race and you're in contention and decisions become even more critical, uh, Chris, and trying to set up your rotation and how's the roster going to look and – you know, what were you thinking in the seventh inning with a reliever? And when the pressure mounts in September and you're in a, in a pennant race, I would have, I would prefer to do the manager, have the manager on every day because everything is just so much more uh, relevant. Mag magnified. Re yeah, magnified time. at that point. But in a season like this, I think it worked out great. And I'm glad you said that. And, you know, Scott Emerson is great. And we've talked a lot. I, I, I think ESPN or one of the networks or MLB network or TBS should use him in the postseason. I think he'd be a great studio analyst in the postseason. There's an inner he's, broadcaster in there. Yeah, there's no doubt. He, he's great. He can break down pitching and analyze. He has fun with it. And the same with Tommy Everidge. And it's a trip for me to have Tommy on because he played for the club. You know, he's from Sonoma. He played collegially at Sonoma State. And I give him a lot of credit because this club – the team batting average is 216, right, Chris? They're near the bottom or at the bottom of every offensive stat in baseball. Not his fault because Tommy and Chris Crone, who works with him, works with the hitters. Uh, they're tireless workers. And the amount of effort they've put into this season. So you can't put any of this on them. But the fact that Tommy's not willing to come out uh, third game of every series all year, even when the club's been scuffling offensively, you know, I, I really appreciate that. Is Mondu player number 64 today? 
I think he is. He hasn't gotten into it. When he gets into a game, I think he is 64. Sounds right. Let me pull up the uh, game. Yeah, the the commander is, yeah, it's good to see the commander back with us here. He's, I didn't even know he still worked he's here. He's gracing us with his presence like for the last Like when I saw him today, I went, we didn't fire you? You're still and, here? And Ray did such a great job on the air. Ray was phenomenal. You know, Ray, I mean, hey, Ray, Ray showed. He's Great yeah, show. The guy leaves. Another guy steps in, and we keep Wally, winning. We're Wally Pipping. Yeah, the I, I, I was worried about that when I was gone. That's why. <laughs> yeah. I, that's why I joined from Iceland so I can make sure. Yeah, people he kept wanting to be on the show on his honeymoon. That's is, another first for you guys. Besides the 15 million downloads you've had, yeah, that you have a, a guy coming on the, the the show from Iceland. World traveler. That's never happened before. It's like where, a, where's Waldo? A, it's never been on a on a major league pregame show before. Yeah, it's it's true. Um, we'll probably never have anyone ever again from Iceland unless I go there again. 64th player. He'll be the 34th rookie and 19th to make his major league debut in an Oakland uniform. Yeah. I want to do a game with everybody. And I'll give you a good amount of time. It's just sit yeah. there, give you, give you a blank sheet of paper and a pen. Could you write down all 64 names of the, the guys? The answer to that played? question is very simple. <laughs> and it is no. <laughs> I don't think I could. Man. I don't think I, like, I, really I don't think don't. I could. Because there have been times when I get on the team bus on the road or on the plane, and I felt like when the players were walking down the aisles, I needed a scorecard. You know, I don't know who this guy is. Where did he come from? I'm not even going to ask you their numbers either. Just ask you their names. I mean, Mark Gubazaw just said, I mean. They've used more players than the A's have used. It's crazy. We have have organizations that have been around for a long time that are are setting. I'm sure we're not the only two. Setting records for most players ever used. Well, it's the land of opportunity, that's for sure. And it's been cool from the standpoint that a guy like Jordan Diaz, who has a very limited amount of games in in AAA, Chris, he never played above AA before this year, and he's with the big league club right now, and he has a chance to be a, a premier hitter in baseball. Now, you don't want to go overboard after two weeks. He's been with the club for two weeks. but So when you see things like that happen, you're kind of thankful that so many players have, have run through here this year. You know, when the weather starts to turn, you know, I love football, worked in football for a long time, um, loved playing football. I just, I, I, that you, you get that smell and you get the feel of football season. You called football for so many years. Is there ever a time when you start smelling it, you know, the, the leaves are turning and the wind's blowing. Yeah, do you, do yeah you ever get the, that the sense? days are getting shorter, and if you're going to have a tea time, you may want to make it a little bit earlier, Chris. But I love football. Uh, I came back. You called after, it a long time. Well, yeah, I did. I think 22 years of college basketball and 12 years of college football. Yeah. I think in total. But uh, yeah, after dinner on Saturday night, I came back to the hotel. It was late, and the Pac-12 games are always. Like in the middle of the night. So Oregon I watched, Stanford ended at 11.55 at night. I watched the end of the SC game on yeah. Saturday. You know, my dad is still a big SC guy. Yeah. So I went and graduated from there. So, yeah. And then uh, Spartans play UNLV on Friday night. But, uh, big this game. Is a, this is a great time of the year for baseball. And I think that's the thing about fall. And being up in Seattle was really neat over the weekend. Uh, I don't think I've ever been there when they had the roof open for all three games of a series there just perfect every day and to see their fan base rally around their club it was fun to be up there with that energy it was a party man on friday night up there well i it was fun to be up there i think that that was really good for our young players 
to see the atmosphere of the packed house, crazy, clinching, going to the playoffs. I, I think that was good for our young guys. When the game ended, I looked over at the A's dugout, and almost the entire team was up on the top step watching the Mariners celebrate. So that, you want that. You want to feel that. You want to feel that disappointment that they're celebrating kind of at your expense, but you also want to soak in what that feels like and imagine what it would feel like to be part of a celebration like that, which the A's have been part of so many times. The A's have clinched several postseasons up in Seattle, so it was not unfamiliar to see a clinch out on the field up in Seattle. The first one I remember was when the A's won the uh, won the division in 2002 in the 10th inning up there against the Mariners. Do we have 2012 on this date in 2012 when we were all here for one of the most magical moments of our career? Hamilton dropped the ball. The late kick, the pitch, changeup, hit high in the air to center. Stays in the park for Hamilton, jogging in, still coming, looking up in the bright sky, drops it. He drops the baseball. Unbelievable. Christmas home. Drew is home. Cespedes is at second base. Josh Hamilton dropped the routine fly ball. And the A's are back in front. If you think you've seen it all this season, there's an example that that simply is not the case with the A's in 2012. Magical year. I think 2012 team, will. it's very similar to the We Believe Warriors. Now, the We Believe Warriors beat Dallas in the first round and eight beat in a one, but it was that special team that never won a championship, but they mm -hmm. still honor that team. I think for our organization, 2012, even though lost Detroit in the postseason, but it was a magical run. Uh, the crowds here for, for Detroit, you just heard that crowd right there on the last the day. The Rangers' ears were ringing when they left the ballpark after that game. It was. Well. That, yeah. that, 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 that whole to reel the Rangers in, just to keep reeling them in and reeling them in. It's the only time in the history of baseball that a team never, ever led because they didn't lead the West until the final out of the game. So during the, then the season was over that final out. They're the only team never, ever to lead for 162 games and win the division. Great call by Vin, and we have names for all these calls because the A's have had so many great moments, and Hamilton drops the ball, and uh, it'll, be, it'll, it'll go down in the history books forever. I hope we honor that team because that team was just – it was. I, I will never forget standing on the tarmac in Arizona with Joe Stiglich, mm -hmm. and we're watching the team board the plane to Japan, and always the team boards before the lackeys board. And Joe Stiglitz and I are like, oh, man, this is going to be a long year. Because that yeah. team, the way – because the team changed over time to the team that you saw in the postseason. It was a – mat. 2012 was a magical year. And Bo Mel did such a great job of guiding that team down the stretch and did a similar thing this year with the Padres. We wish him the best in the postseason no as they're, they're, they'll be one of the wild card teams. But, yeah, it was a long shot going into the year. And who would have thought? But uh, – yeah, the memories are great, and you hope for, you know, I don't know if the A's going to have a similar turnaround next year, but there's there's some historical precedent. You know, when the A's lost 108 games in 1979, uh, the next year they finished over 500 in 1980. You know, they won 83 games, 83 and 79. The next year was one of the greatest turnarounds in baseball history. Now, we don't have Murphy, we don't have Henderson, Murphy, and Armas um, on the doorstep. We got Ricky. You know? He's right over there. Right. Ricky Anderson Field. He's, right, he's there every but, game. Uh, 
You know, in, in, in 1980, at the age of 21, Ricky had one of the greatest years of all time. 21 years of age. Hit 303, had a 420 on base, stole 100 bases. And that was the year which when Billy Martin took over and all the pitchers threw 1,000 innings. So a great turnaround by the A's back then from 79 to 80. Well, I'm just going to say this. You as the voice of the A's, we, we, t- we set the start of the year and we were trying to really hammer this home. Um, and we'll do it uh, in my hits also in these next three days, that A's cast and A's cast life doesn't go away. One of the reasons why we created A's cast is because in the past, A's baseball from the last out of the season went dark until Mm -hmm. the next first pitch of the next season. We keep A's baseball and now really Major League Baseball live in the Bay Area because no one talks about it. It's on football, Warriors, but we still talk baseball year-round. So you as the voice of the team – you can't go dark for the offseason. I'm not going to go dark on you, pal. Oh, we're we're, we're grateful. I, <laughs> we're grateful for what I, you guys are I mean, doing. Have you, call, you called Korak? Oh, we haven't heard back from him. we got, we got to make sure. Well, if you call Korak between 9 and 2, you're not going to find me. That's okay? a good point. You call me before 9 and after 2, there's a pretty good chance I'm going to answer the phone. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call your club and say, <laughs> does he have reservations for today? No? Okay, we can have him on today. How many rounds are you going to get in? Well, we have a game on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. I'm wow. <laughs> no, no wonder he's so good. Uh, it's been a great year. Hey, it's the off season, pal. I know you. Yeah. Hey, you deserve everything you got. You Excellent. really do. It's been a lot of fun. I and can't. I can't believe that I've done 27 years here. I've been so fortunate, really. And the we support, want you around for like a lot more. The support that I've more. gotten after all these these years has been. I've never taken it for granted, pal. It's been great. Nobody wants to hear the R word. Yeah. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Nobody. That. You, you need some time off? Take some time off. <laughs> whatever. I didn't you, know I was talking to Dave Cavill. Whatever. Yeah, Dave Cavill, Dave Cavill come to me. Dave Cavill is now hosting the show. I'll give him a raise. <laughs> when if, he, if he doesn't want to go to Texas, he doesn't have to go to Texas. It's 108 degrees down there. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> all right, buddy. It was fun. Go have thanks a for all tonight. you guys have done this year. Fantastic. We're, we're calling you. you a, we're going to call job. you from the winter meetings. We're I'd love to you. come on. It's always fun. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. All righty, A's Cast Live. We'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Wednesday, when we all start baseball at 1 o'clock, we're going to be on at 10. 10 a.m. I've well, already booked Mark Kotze for Wednesday. Apparently, you got Roxy Bernstein, too. So Roxy's going to stop by. Roxy's Wait. calling first round. Uh, St. Louis will have who? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I'd have to look. Who's St. Louis playing, Ray? Do you know? Hold on. I can look at the bracket here. Let me look Real quick, bracket. Diamondbacks Philly. Diamondbacks Brewers tied at 1 in the third. Philly's up one nothing. Schwarber hit his 45th home run. That, who cares? I got a guy who's got 61. Yeah. That 40, what's 40? Yeah, Schwarber's the next closest, 45. What's 40, that's nothing. Cardinals Phillies. Cardinals Phillies, well, Phillies aren't in yet. They're not in yet. That'll be Roxy Bernstein's going to have Cardinals Phillies, so we'll have Roxy yeah. stop by. He'll have all, because Roxy gets all the ESPN stats that we don't get. And tomorrow we'll have, uh, we're going to have uh, Gags, Mike Gallego. Talk oh, to him earlier. the great Mike Gallego. We're going to have Eno Saris live in person. The final Eno Saris show of the season, but he will be with us all off season. And we're supposed to have, I was told, hopefully, Stephen Vogt. Voter. I believe in Stephen Vogt, last yeah. homestand. Oh, and then we're going to try to, we'll, we'll, we're going to effort for Ann Reardon. The great, 
that one of the great managers, great leaders of men, and a man that has watched one of the great offensive powers. Now they're all here. The Las Vegas Aviators. All the players here except for Geloff and Soderstrom. They're all here. I mean, phenomenal. All right, are we done? Yeah, we're done. All righty. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Rams are up 3 nothing on the 49ers. No, <laughs> I just lost my fantasy game. <laughs> Uh, uh, of course I'm rooting for them. <laughs> Raiders got a win yesterday. They're still alive. Josh Jacobs, big still game. Still alive. By the way, they're 8-1 when he has, like, X amount of carries. Can you run the football? Run the damn ball, Josh. Run McGinnis. the football. It's kind of like, let's starting pitchers pitch longer. Let running backs run the football. Can we get back to being normal? Can we? Thank you for watching A's Class Live. Up next, A's Baseball. We'll get you ready for A's and the Halos on A's Total Access, brought to you by Chevron. But on A's Cast Live, we'll see you tomorrow at 4. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 